everyone. Today uh, I'm joined with um, Jess, and 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 today uh, um, Jess is a uh, is, is is from Belgium. So um, it, it's nice to like, like be talking to you from Belgium, Jess, because I think you're the first guest um, like I've spoke to um, for, for, from Belgium. So it's a uh, it's always nice to like to speak to people at different places in the world. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, if just to start off, Jess, if you could just introduce yourself a little bit, um, so say a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So uh, hello, everyone. My name is Jess. I uh, was actually born in Australia, but I've been living in Belgium for some years now. I came to Belgium at the end of 2019. And at that time, my intention was actually to enroll in a master's program here in classical music. I used to be a trombone player, but unfortunately, my health actually declined a lot um, in the lead up to moving and it got a lot worse after I arrived. So I'm actually taking my life in a completely different direction now, and I'm trying to build a new career as a writer and disability advocate. So I run a website called delicatelittlepedal.com where I research and write articles about chronic physical and mental health conditions. And I also share stories about my own experiences. So the reason that um, my health got into such a dire situation when I was in Belgium was because previously when I lived in Australia, I actually really struggled to have my symptoms and concerns taken seriously. And that actually had a really uh, big impact on my mental health. So I really hope by talking about those issues through my website and hopefully helping other people in the same situation realize that the problem is actually with the system and not with them. I really hope to help other people avoid the same cycle of shame and isolation that I went through prior to a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's like, it, it, I, think that, I think that's really good that you've got your own website, Jess, like, like, like speaking about like your story as well. And like, uh, as you say, it can help other people like um as well because I know I know it can be pretty hard to like tell other people about like um about your story. Absolutely, I think both of our projects have similar ethoses in that regard. Yeah, yeah, and um like with your website, has that been going uh, quite a while? Like um with your website. So I started the website in um. May this year, but it's something that I had in the back of my mind for quite a while. Um, I just needed to be in a stable enough place with my health to get things going. And I also, um, my life prior to the last couple of years had all 100% been about music performance and teaching. So I had none of the relevant skills. So I had to learn a lot about um, website building and HTML and even photography and things like that. So uh, yeah, only since May, but it's been a while coming before that yeah yeah because I, I know things take time like like you've got to prepare everything and then you've got to like to decide um when you want to make this website and then and it can it can i suppose it can be really fun just like uh, playing about with it at first and then like seeing where it goes Look, to be honest, from a website building perspective, I actually found it quite irritating. Um, <laughs> but other aspects of it were definitely fun, like the writing and the design aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, especially as you're like you, you, you like to write as well, is because like what I find like what, what, what I do as well, Jess, I find like uh, it gets to a hobby, like a, a hobby of yours, which which you you, you like to do, and like um, it it takes. Uh, take as much as time as you want with it but it's uh I, 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 like it could be it could be hard at first because uh like saying before it can be hard to speak about about your journey mm -hmm. and but um I, I find like if you speak about your journey um um my aim's like mate to help someone if it helps one person that, that's uh that's that, that that's that's okay um I don't if it just helps one person it's uh it's uh it's good I couldn't agree more um well just the first question i want to ask is um like mm -hmm. about your chronic illness if you could uh maybe speak about that a little bit yeah absolutely so um i recently received uh the clinical diagnosis for ehler danlos syndrome uh which is part of a big family of hereditary connective tissue disorders uh when one of the well one or more of the different soft tissues in the body it's usually collagen or elastin 
they aren't structured normally. So that can create a lot of health problems because those uh, tissues are all throughout your body, um, in the joints, obviously, but also in things like the organs, including the skin. So I also have a little collection of comorbidities associated with that. So um, fibromyalgia, uh, temporomandibular joint disorder, which other people might know as TMJ or TMD, uh, migraine, and also sinus tachycardia. And I also have asthma and premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Yeah, yeah. And like with, um, like, 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 as it impacts your joints, um, like, would you say they get really achy? Yes. So one of the primary symptoms of uh, EDS and all of the disorders in that family, they're called the hypermobility spectrum disorders, is the main problem. Well, one of the main problems is in the name. So it's hypermobility. So the range of motion of my joints is quite extreme compared to a normal person. So I dislocate joints frequently. Um, it's a lot better now that I've um, been doing quite intense physical therapy, but I have up to several joint dislocations a day and that can be very painful. I also have a lot of muscle pain too, because my muscles are constantly working very hard to hold those joints in place. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Like, uh, because you still have to do things and, and I and knowing that like things are can impact them and you probably know it might impact them. Like, like if you want to exercise or something like that, you're, 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 in your mind, you're going to think it's going to do it because I, I need to like maybe exercise because it's it's part of, as part of life, you've got to do that. But yeah, it, mm. it, it can be hard like with having certain symptoms that can be irritating. Yeah, I really find that it's um it's all about balance. I'm sure it's similar for a lot of different chronic illnesses is, as you said, exercise is very important for everybody for general health, but it is also very important, especially for hypermobile people, because we do need strong muscles to prevent those joint dislocations and keep our joints really stable and healthy. But if we overdo it, or if we do a lot of exercise and we have a lot of physical day-to-day -day tasks to do on the same day, we're putting an unnecessary amount of stress potentially on those joints and causing ourselves more pain and fatigue. So it can take a really long time to find that balance. I feel like I have more or less found that in my life now, which is great, but it, the last couple of years have been really difficult in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. It can, it can, it can like, uh, what, look, the thing I find with a chronic illness, Jess, is that, um, so sometimes it can be really hard. Like, it depends on the day, mm. I suppose. Um, like one day it could be a really good day, and then uh, yes, and then another day it could hit you really hard. Or um, like a like um, lot like for me, for example, with my chronic illness, um, I, I suffer from fatigue quite a lot, and mm -hmm. I noticed before getting diagnosed with Crohn's disease that um, I, the fatigue was a massive part because I because I, I got diagnosed in 2017, so. I mm -hmm. remember what kind of life was before that. And um, so f fatigue was much different. I know everyone does get fatigue if you have a chronic illness or you don't have one. But um, I, I noticed the difference that, um, so say I go out for maybe a walk um, for, for the day or I'll go out for the day and then I get home and I'm really tired. I, the, the fatigue is as tired as going for, like when you're really tired and you're ready to go to bed at night. <laughs> and that that's how, that's how I feel. But yeah, it, it, it can be, I suppose, really draining as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely relate to those types of experiences. And I think you hit on something really important, which is that a lot of chronic illnesses and disabilities are very dynamic in how they affect you. So like you just said, you might have a good day, you might have a bad day and what you are capable of or I mean, you might still be capable, but what you should or shouldn't be doing for your health on those days could be quite different. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I think it's like like it, 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 for, it, it, it the thing is it, it's different for everyone isn't it like um for, for me I'll go to I might go for a sleep for an hour and my mum might, might come and say why why you sleep this time it's midday <laughs> and then um I'll go to sleep and then I won't be tired like um maybe could come near the night time so it's uh it, it, it's, it's it, I suppose it's quite interesting but I supposedly annoying <laughs> definitely yeah um like with your like um like what you're doing at the moment Jess it, um like 
could you maybe say a little bit about like what, what you're doing in your work and like um like like with like with raising awareness or um chronic illnesses absolutely so um the primary thing is my website where I do a mixture of educational articles and also opinion pieces. Uh, it is quite diverse, the types of things that I write about, but I do have a couple of uh, topics in particular that I'm really passionate about. Um, the first one is the normalization of mobility aids. So I use uh, crutches to help me with walking. And I'm also a part-time wheelchair user for certain situations. And I also use quite a bit of adaptive equipment to help me with things. So like joint braces and adaptive kitchen equipment. And those things have been really life-changing for me, but through connecting with other people um, in the online chronic illness community, especially younger people, I realized that a lot of people um, around our age, they're very resistant to taking up the use of those things, not because they don't want to or they don't feel like they need them, but because they feel like there's a real stigma against younger people using those things or they're worried about judgment or they're worried that they're going to ask their doctor about something to do with that and the doctor's going to say no. And I, I just feel like that's a real problem. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are suffering uh, more than what's necessary because they don't feel like those things are accessible to them. Um, the second thing is more awareness about uh, invisible disabilities, such as the ones that you and I have. I think that um, we have probably as a society already come a long way with this, but I think there's still a long way to go. I think we really lack awareness about the fact that just because somebody looks healthy or um, as we said, they have a dynamic disability where they can do certain things on one day, that doesn't mean that everything's fine and they don't need support or they don't need um, to maybe do things differently or make different choices to their peers. And that was something that I really struggled with growing up. Um, and a big part of that was also that I didn't have a diagnosis. So I would say that's kind of the third point on the triangle of things I'm really passionate about is trying to help other people recognize that illness and disability almost always begins before the diagnosis. And I think that it's really important that we all look out for each other. We take our loved ones seriously if they say they're not well, even if they're not diagnosed yet. And for medical professionals, they need to take their patients seriously if they say something seriously wrong with their body, even if you know a specific well-known diagnosis for that problem isn't immediately obvious. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree there, Jess, because um, like I, I agree with like like the, 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 like with like like with like um like with, with like. With, with like a like, like, like our uh, chronic illnesses and and much more that it's um it, I think it's taken like on your appearance isn't it like the, the way you look like not what's going on inside your body which um yeah it would be much easier if people could see that and then and then they wouldn't maybe not ask as many questions and like um I know for, for the chronic illness I have stress is a and it is a symptom um where mm -hmm. it can lead to pain as well sometimes so um which is it's a quite annoying symptom because everyone will get stressed at some point um if you have a chronic illness or not but yeah I, I feel like that, that that still needs to be like um like it needs to be taken seriously like lot 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 like with um like things that everyone can't see because um like not everyone speaks about it that, like so some people are really quiet about it and, and then they and then um possibly can get more ill if, if, the, if you don't speak about something so I think it's great um like what you're doing and what uh, quite a lot of people are starting to do is is speaking about their like chronic illness or because it is important because um I think it just it sets a good example for other people that who are maybe not as confident that's exactly right I think um the more that people start to talk about it the more that will hopefully give other people the confidence to talk about that whether that's you know just to their friends and making sure their family and friends understand them and can support them but also you know I think um it seems to me there's kind of a little bit of a global epidemic in terms of people with chronic illnesses who either aren't diagnosed or they're incorrectly diagnosed or they're diagnosed but they're not being adequately treated because 
they've been made to feel, you know, not confident in talking about how their symptoms are affecting them. Yeah, yeah, and I think, like, like, um, when I got a diagnosis for for Crohn's, I I I, I never heard of it before, um, Crohn's disease at mm-hmm. all. Um, it was quite new to me. Like, um, how I got died. Well, I knew something was wrong because I'd lost quite a lot of weight and that year, and I wasn't eating anything. And uh, all of a sudden, I couldn't eat anything because I was getting a lot of pain, and I was getting full if I did try to eat something. So I knew something was going on. And then um, mm. we went to went to the hospital where my parents tried to get appointments, and the day was saying that we have to wait another at least another few weeks and uh, I had to push to get that point because I couldn't wait another few weeks because um, I probably I might have not been here because it was that bad um, so I, I did get pushed and seen and, and that, that I did get diagnosed pretty quickly um, but I think the point was that they, um, they, they didn't maybe take as much interest in it as, uh, as maybe me um that um so it, uh, it, i did i did push to get appointment and he said um like after the, the procedure uh, that i would have needed surgery if um i didn't push so it, it was a good idea mm. but for other people that are maybe not as pushy that may have been a bit different experience for them so i think it's important what like when you say about like like with the medical system being a been on the ball and they, they need to be I suppose a bit better because if, if that like because like not everyone's family is going to fight their corner like so, so some people maybe find it like on them by themselves or also I think that's it's just important to um for maybe um like hospitals and and places to maybe uh, listen to their patients Absolutely. Um, sorry you had to push so hard to be taken seriously. Um, that sounds like that was a really awful situation for you. I figured maybe um, when you said you were only diagnosed in 2017 that um, it might have been a bit of a difficult journey. But yeah, I'm really glad that you pushed to get the care that you needed. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really. I, I spoke about it because the, the the time I got diagnosed was exams at school. And um, oh no! Um, and um, well, it was preparing for it, and I was in this drama class that um, that, that um, because that year I I think over the school I went to, I was the last year to do the drama exam because it got really hard <laughs> for, for for people, and it all changed because um, in drama you normally think it's acting, but the drama exam I did it was more of a writing than um, the acting. Okay. Um, but. I did it, but the thing was, I was a multi-role character, so I was more than one person. So, <laughs> I not being in maybe impacted a couple, a couple of people there, um, and they couldn't really take my part because they had their own. But um, it was, uh, um, but knowing that I was gonna have to catch up anyway, even though I was in pain, it was kind of a burny feeling. Um, in my stomach it was, and I I still went in even if I was in pain. And teachers were saying, "Do you want to go?" into the library or I'll go to um, the nurse and get a paracetamol or something. And I said, um, I said, no, um, I don't want to go into the library because I don't want to get questioned while I'm there. <laughs> and I don't want to go to the nurse because um, paracetamol won't really help this pain. <laughs> so um, like me just going in for maybe a few more times until we got bad, bad, um, just so mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. have to catch up on everything. But um, I think the best thing was like, when I, did my exams it was uh, I was on my own so I wasn't in a room with everyone else which I kind of preferred it. Sure well I mean I I think your resilience in that situation and your commitment to your um, drama troops admirable but uh, I also find it very regrettable that you were put in that situation in the first place. I think unfortunately um, coming back to what I was saying before about illness beginning before diagnosis is I think it's very hard in you know both a work setting and education setting to have like the accommodation set up that you need if you're not diagnosed I mean it's good obviously that um you had staff at your school who were it sounds like maybe trying a little bit to accommodate you but you know unfortunately I guess they didn't have the knowledge they needed to know that just offering paracetamol is really not going to be sufficient (laughs) in that situation (laughs) I wish it was (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be much easier. <laughs> but um, yeah, because like, the thing that I find uh, when I was at school, like if if, if, anyone, if people just sit in the library, you get questioned and I suppose getting questioned makes you stress about about different things and like um, knowing that that, that that particular time stress was a pain like it caused mm. pain for me so um, I just I just I would just sit in the class one um, arm with my pen and one arm my stomach uh, even though Oof. even though my hand my stomach was not going to do anything but it just made me feel maybe a little bit better um, but um, I found pain I think hot water balls um, at night time was a was maybe a good distraction or or something like that but um eventually um I was put on medication and uh, I, I was put on steroids and I um tried the different medication and um I say at the moment I'm doing pretty good um um, um I did have um a Crohn's like a procedure in, uh, like a, a few months ago but um like it's a uh, it's those things you have to do and like going for regular blood tests as well. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you're doing better now. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just that thing of people talking about it, maybe um, like um, and like like with going to hospitals and taking them maybe a bit more seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you like um? Have you found that, like, with, with your chronic illness as well, where you've had to explain it to, like, uh, to the hospital and, and doctors, um, like, more so they understand? Absolutely. This kind of thing, it actually is and continues to be the bane of my existence a little bit because um, uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and the hypermobility spectrum disorders, they are multi-systemic illnesses. So I do have... Uh, I do need a multidisciplinary approach to the treatment, uh, but it does mean that I have to see a lot of different doctors. So um, I, I have my general practitioner who's great, who's very knowledgeable about my history and context, but um, I have also needed to see an immunologist. I've needed to see a gynecologist. I've needed to see a neurologist. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, um, because EDS is a rare slash maybe not that rare, but underdiagnosed condition, a lot of people are not uh, knowledgeable about it. So I do find myself constantly having to explain myself, which can be quite exhausting. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to explain yourself, isn't it, to um, maybe people that don't know know about about the condition, or, or even if they do, um, like like if they're in that like in that room where they're supposed to be knowing what you're talking about, and, and then you think. Uh, why, why, why are you here? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of the time, um, patients with chronic conditions end up knowing more about the condition than a lot of doctors, sadly. Yeah, I think you do because you have it. I think, I think, it's like, I think the same. Like, like, unless you do have it yourself, you're not going to properly understand, um, like, like what well, the condition, um, which is it's quite sad because it, like we hope everyone does, so we don't have to explain ourselves. That's right. I mean, there's just no substitute for the lived experience of it. But I also do think um, a lot of the time chronic conditions, they're just not really covered in enough depth in medical school as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it, it, it's important. It, it is important to, to speak about because um, like it can even, like I think I did a few years ago, I was in this uh, uh, booklet about um, about, my, about, my, about my crown and it went in hospitals and I suppose, I suppose it was for more for, for more newly, di newly diagnosed people but it was mm -hmm. uh, around hospitals and I did hope uh, doctors <laughs> people picked it up as well <laughs> so um, it was a it was a resource booklet about Crohn's disease it was like it, it was it was a booklet with um it it, it, it like um like it had my it, it had my um, my journey and I said a little bit about my journey and like um, I had a word search about um, the different the, the different words that impacted my journey so for okay. example at the time I was on infusion so infusions would have been in the word search Crohn's disease um, inflammation which is the cause um, mm -hmm. um, to the pain so like, different things like that and it was um, yeah, it, it was a good resource for young people and um, I was I was in. I, I, there was an older book, but I was younger at the time, so I had mm -hmm. to be in the younger book. So, um, but I have um, 
I put it um, in, in, in some schools. I took it to my school when I was there, and um, and 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 I uh, I showed it around and 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 just so people knew about it, so that they could just read the booklet and um, see that um, I had Crohn's. But of course, since then, it's probably changed a lot. I'm not on infusions anymore. I take uh, Humira injections um, um, every fortnight. So. Um, things do change with chronic illness. They're not. Um, they don't all are the same. Um, as as well as it could be, I'd be. I would love it if it's the same. But um, um, things do change. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it sounds like that was a really good resource for people. I think. Um, I think it's great actually, especially when you're newly diagnosed, to hear from other people in a similar situation. Yeah, yeah. I've spoken to different people. Well, um. Uh, that had um that were fighting to get newly diagnosed with um like a IBD and um and like like the symptoms that they were saying to me that um I, I would have thought it would IBD and they were getting told to have IBS but but the thing with IBS and IBD they are variously similar but variously different so it, mm -hmm. it was a it's a complicated one because you can either get misdiagnosed um like um for me because I, I lost a lot a lot of weight. So I could have easily got diagnosed with someone else. So it's, uh, mm. it, it's, it, I think it's a, it's a relief when you do get diagnosed, isn't it? Absolutely. Because um, you rather know what you have than um, not know at all. Of course. Yeah. Um. So J Jess, like, how has your mental health been like through, like, um, like your, like your your life, I suppose. I would say that over the course of my life, it's been quite um, up and down. Um, I think that I've always felt like my mental health has been quite linked to my physical health. So over the last couple of years, um, where my physical health was really deteriorating, that really dragged my mental health down with it. Um, I felt like in retrospect, I hadn't really separated who I was um, as a person from the things that were happening to my body outside of my control. So when I became, you know, less um, independent as a result of my chronic illness, I really felt like that was a personal failing. And I also had to drop out of my master's program here in Belgium. So I needed to grieve that loss. But having said that, um, since then, um, I have been doing some things to help with mental health. So I have been seeing a pain psychologist, which obviously helps from the perspective of coping with the uh, mental and emotional strain of being in chronic pain, but also discussing the rest of my life and overcoming some of my limiting beliefs about myself. So for example, you know, realizing that some of the things I find regrettable in my life, um, they've actually largely been outside of my control and there's not really that much point agonizing over, you know, what might've been or what I could have done differently because in reality, I believe that I am a person who's always made the best of the circumstances that have been given to me, but I also spent a lot of time very unwell and just not being given the medical care that I needed. So, you know, my level of success or failure up until this point in life, it's, well, it's partially a reflection of who I am, but it's also a reflection of the systemic issues in the medical system that I was facing. You know, obviously it is a lot easier said than done to, uh, you know, really internalise those messages, but that's the path uh, that I'm on. Um, apart from that, I have been suffering from premenstrual dysphoric disorder since I was 12, which is... Uh, a psychiatric endocrine condition. Um, it affects like a small number of people with ovaries and the emerging research basically indicates that um, it's the brain's neurotransmitters responding abnormally to the hormonal changes that happen in the body in between ovulation and menstruation. It's kind of comparable to premenstrual syndrome, which is something that a lot more people um, have heard of, uh, but the symptoms are a lot more debilitating. So you know, symptoms like anxiety and depression, which can be quite common with PMS. And, you know, um, don't get me wrong, they can be a real pain and they you might still need treatment for that. But um, with uh, PMDD, sorry, that's the acronym for premenstrual dysphoric disorder, they can like completely derail your life. So 
uh, it's quite common to experience really excessive dissociation, um, intrusive thoughts, compulsive behaviors. Some people actually have psychotic episodes. So um, I've been uh, taking medications for that for some time with varying levels of success. But I started taking an SNRI about a year ago now um, called duloxetine. And that has been really helpful for me. So I've noticed a big change in how well I'm coping from a mental health perspective with that too. Okay. Yeah, I think it's good, like, like you're, 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 you're doing okay like with your mental health because it can be um, an upright battle, like, it goes up and down, doesn't it? Like, um, Absolutely. I, I suppose... Uh, like it, it just leads back onto a chronic illness with days that you have good days and you have bad days. Um, but um, yeah, I think it can, it can it can be hard like your your mental health because it, I think that's what that is. Uh, it's, it's good to speak about as well because um, like like not everyone does and like just leading from example there just because like um, it, it can be hard like the the. the the, like the mental side of things when when you do have a chronic illness because um especially on I suppose the bad days um you could be mm. feeling like I know when the first time I suppose got um really bad uh, chronic pain I thought what's the end of the world <laughs> I, was, I was being I weren't very happy <laughs> but um yeah it just puts you a bad side of things and um I suppose especially when um at the start I suppose when you don't know anyone else that maybe is in the, in the same it's it's, it's 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 the same as you or like um maybe has the same chronic illness as you and I suppose that can be hard because um I know when I got diagnosed um I got told consultancy it was rare and I, and I said to them rare does that mean I'm, I'm one in like a lot of people that have I've got this and eventually find out more do but it, it's it takes time I suppose to um, see what like how men like your mental health is doing because um, you I suppose it's just you don't know absolutely I think it's um as you said it can be incredibly isolating pre-diagnosis or even post-diagnosis if you don't uh, have anyone to talk to about the specifics of your situation and I think um it's a real it's a real difficult skill as well to maintain good mental health when you're physically in a lot of pain. I think it's, um, it is obviously healthy to grieve and be upset about those things. But um, I think I, I do definitely think it is possible to improve mental health while in physical pain or physically unwell, but it's very difficult and it's a very much, a, it can be a very much an up and down journey. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just never know what's going to happen do we like like tomorrow or or next day but like like I, I found that um mental health is I suppose getting more talked about now but um like chronic illnesses it's just still still needs more to talk for people to talk about because um the more we have the more maybe um like like especially with a chronic illness you don't have to um because so, I suppose like when you meet someone new or maybe like you're going to a new workplace or going to out somewhere for the day, you, you may need to explain it. And, and then they say, I've, I've never heard of it. And then, and then, and then you in your mind, you think, Oh, I've got to do this again. I've got to explain it to someone else. But um, I think, I think that's where it starts. If you explain it to one person, maybe they can tell someone else. Hopefully they can tell someone else that, um, that, but I think that's where it starts. And, it just leads back to that raising awareness and telling people about um, like chronic illnesses and, and and mental health too. Definitely. Yeah, um, I know. I know we've kind of addressed the, the problems in like like the, the the medical system. Do you think there's any more like um, problems in the medical system they're addressing? Look, I could talk about this for hours. To be quite honest with you, I think that. Um, I have quite an interesting dual perspective on this issue because um, I was born and raised in Australia, but I live in Belgium. So I think that I've experienced quite two quite different medical systems. I think um, as we've already touched upon, the primary problem is that some doctors just don't take the time to listen yeah. to their patients, especially if the patient doesn't fit neatly into, you know, a specific well-known diagnosis. I think that I would really like to see a system where doctors are 
less overworked and have more time with their patients because I think that's a really big part of the problem. But I'd like to see them uh, using some of this extra time to ask patients specific questions about how their symptoms are affecting them and to make sure um, that they're looking at the whole picture of their health. I also would like to see doctors taking greater responsibility for not dismissing and gaslighting their patients. I think that a lot of them underestimate the trauma that that can cause and how much it deters people from seeking medical care in the future and also from being able to have productive conversations with their doctors. Um, I know for me personally, uh, when I was in my late teens, I had quite a traumatic experience at a doctor's appointment and that actually led to me having panic attacks when I would try to meet new doctors later on in life. I've been able to work through that now, fortunately, but for a while there, that really um, impacted my ability to get medical care about really important things. And, you know, if you do have a bad experience where you're gaslit or dismissed by a doctor, the level of unfair financial burden it causes on some people to have to seek the opinion of multiple doctors just means that we have more people who aren't able to get chronic conditions, you know, diagnosed and treated properly. And the final thing I'll add is um, I think that I would like to see doctors taking a more holistic approach to caring for their patients. So being even handed about balancing medications with functional solutions. I know that um, some doctors are very reluctant to give out any kind of pain medicine, which you know, there are circumstances where those fears might be valid, but I do think it's really important to give patients adequate pain relief. But on the other hand, um, some doctors are quite happy to fill you full of pills, but not to refer you to physiotherapy and advise you about using adaptive equipment and things like that. And I think both of those extremes can be really harmful. Um, it harks back to what I was saying before. It's really important to take the time to talk to the patient about the specifics of how their symptoms and challenges are affecting them in their day-to-day -day lives and try to have a good balance between symptom management and tackling the root cause if you can. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's some really good points there, Jess. Um, just what I think, last thing I'll add about the um, medical system, um, would you say there's um, much difference um, between the Australian one and the Belgium medical system? That is an interesting question. I think that there are some similarities and some differences. I would say that overall, I probably have better things to say about the Belgian medical system. I think that the majority of health essentials are quite well subsidized. So we don't have universal health care here, but things are much better subsidized than um, in Australia. And that's been really helpful for me because I've needed quite an excessive, oh, I apologize, excessive, excessive amount of um, diagnostics in the last couple of years. Um, and that would have really cost an arm and a leg if I was still living in Australia. One thing I will say though, is I think the support for psychological services in Australia is better. Um, I've been really lucky in that I've had the um, family support that I needed to access a private psychologist here in Belgium, but a lot of people aren't so lucky and there's not really any subsidization for psychological services um, unless you're hospitalized, which, I mean, I just think that's crazy. I think we need to be supporting people to take care of their mental and um, psychiatric health before they end up in a crisis situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, like hospitals are like, not, 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 not to just, like seeing where like ahead of something that could possibly happen and trying to avoid it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and like um, I think I think we can finish the uh, met 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 um the, the the system for now, uh, because we've had a nice chat about that, haven't we, Jess? Okay. <laughs> but um, like do you, like what like do you, would you say you get good support with um like your 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 like your 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 chronic illnesses and like you just I suppose you're like um yeah do 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 you think you get um a good um uh, sort of support? Yeah, I'm really lucky at the moment. I would say I do receive good support. Um, 
primarily because I have a really good relationship with my general practitioner here. Um, we talk about my progress quite frequently and we have a very uh, collaborative type relationship where we make decisions as a team about my care. And that's been quite life-changing for me. Um, because of my fibromyalgia diagnosis, I'm also eligible for a lot of extra physiotherapy through public health insurance here, which has been super helpful. Um, I have actually two to three sessions per week at the moment. So I have help with my general joint pain and I also have special support from different therapists for some specific problems with my uh, TMJ, which is the jaw region and also with my pelvic floor. Um, as I mentioned, I also see a pain psychologist, which um, I'm lucky to have had support to be able to do that privately. Um, I do wish though that I had a relationship with a good doctor that specialized in the hereditary connective tissue disorders though, because um, I do at the moment tackle all the associated comorbidities fairly separately. And as we talked about before, it is really exhausting constantly explaining um, my underlying condition, which is likely the cause of all these other problems um, to different doctors. And, um, you know, it, it's quite exhausting having to explain that I'm in a complex situation. I can't just always follow the more um, straightforward protocols that um, they might give to other patients. Like, for example, one of the first physiotherapists that I saw, um, they basically just wanted me to do quite an intense cycling program to improve my fitness, which for me already suffering from um, sinus tachycardia in quite a severe way at times. That was just not a safe thing for me to be doing because I was having a lot of difficulty with blackouts and things like that. Um, so that's just an example of that. I think um, it can get a little overwhelming sometimes, um, you know, managing the directives from different doctors. Uh, you know, so at the moment, I mean, I'm getting, I get homework from three different physical therapists plus the psychologist. So I think it's a little bit like when you're in high school and you have um, all your teachers for your different subjects give you homework on the same day and they all act like their homework is the only homework. And, um, you know, you know that they're all important things that you need to learn, but you're just like, oh, cut me some slack. I already have like five things to do tonight. Yeah, you don't, you kind of don't want to do it, but you, you kind of, in your mind I have to just to I suppose stop them like maybe go like saying you got to do this you got this but yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah I know what you mean like they, they say you got done your homework and then you say yeah <laughs> sometimes at school you may not have done it but because you didn't want to but yeah that, that that's just uh I suppose I suppose it's fun like maybe not the work depends if you like it or not suppose like if you're how, how interested and committed you are into doing that that piece of work but um if it helps if it helps you Jess that's the that's the best thing that's right yeah but but yeah I think like just the support is support is really important because um um because like if it's like family and like um people like um at the hospital as well because um I I had um my main support hospital because probably the IBD nurses that um like like are know the most about um like like Crohn's disease and like IBD. So um unfortunately like um the, the, the one I kind of like the most left um not too long ago. So um it, um there, there was noticed about it was really noticeable that she left because things were not as I suppose on the ball as as it as they were. Mm. Um because she was like on the ball and that and like um having to call maybe a couple times and like um like a lot of the other IBD nurses maybe not as like um not as don't know as much as as, as she did but yeah but she, she moved on into 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 someone else but it was a bit sad a bit, a bit unfortunate because she she was the, the the main one but um there are there are more coming in but it was it was uh it was a shame, but these things happen where like, like people you get on with uh, leave and, 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 and they do different things. Mm. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I think um, 
having the right care team makes all the difference to the success levels of treatment programs. Yeah, and I think all the time, like with like with all sort of chronic illnesses, they they make new ones, like um, new treatments, new like um, for things that you can have. Um, because I, I know the medication I, I said about Humira, but I say I, I take like vitamin D and B12 because of fatigue, um, mm-hmm. just to help that. Um, like because I say it helps, um, but um, I don't. I, sometimes I just feel tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's maybe yeah but but yeah I, I take that I take um acetaminophen as well and these are like um for having chronic illnesses that they are at risk of other things aren't they um which uh, mm-hmm. like you can, you can you can like maybe get I know in the summertime I have to take a particular like sun cream because I so skin cancer is a risk as well but um there are there's all, all, all sort of risk from even the medication you take isn't there that's right it's um yeah it's very I, I think it's very similar to what I was saying before is all the different things you need to be aware of and balance can get quite overwhelming yeah yeah but like um like th- th- that's it we all have a like a, all sort of risk of different things like like even going um even like um maybe just just speaking to someone who, who um who maybe like that doesn't understand that that that, that is a I suppose a risk like depending if you want to say it or not but that, that there's always going to be risks and like with having a chronic illness um like I know we wouldn't we wouldn't want it at all like I, I know I, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone but but um I do enjoy talking about it <laughs> funny enough because um just raises that awareness and like so if one person understands or sees it uh, another person might i agree i think as um as much as we might wish that things were different i also think it's incredibly fulfilling to take um something unfortunate like having a chronic illness and turning it into something productive that can help other people Definitely. And I think um, one of the last things that I think I was going to talk about, Jess, was, um, and I, I know you said that you was um, working in a school with um, people who, who had um, autism in a, in a, was it like a special program for students? So the school that I was working at, it was a semi-private Catholic school in Australia. And it was a uh, in a lot of ways, just a regular school, but something that they had was they had an optional uh, special program for students with autism. And what I thought was really good about it was that uh, students who are on the autism spectrum, they had the option to have certain classes delivered separately, but there were certain activities where they were still together with all their peers. And at that time I was a, teacher for music for low brass instruments and music and band was an example of um, some of the classes that everybody had all together still and I think that worked really well because it meant that students who you know could potentially be benefiting from having a special program or having classes delivered separately they didn't then have to miss out um, on contact with their other peers and I think there was still a good sense of a whole school community. I think that worked really well. It um, At that time, I was working part-time at a couple of different schools, but that was probably one of my favourite ones that I worked at. Yeah, yeah it seems like it, it, it was good, like, understanding of autism now. Like, if they're doing, like, a, a, like um, different classes just separately, which was, uh, it, it, it's good. Like, a lot, lot, like just for, for people and like you can experience what people are like, um, like with autism. It's, uh, I suppose it's, it's the same as like, like everyone has their own ways and are, are different, but it's, it, you must have a, a nice time there, like uh, working there for a while. That's right. I, I think what you said is spot on. And I think that's what worked well about it is it was like the students were being treated as individuals, which I mean, to be honest, obviously, like all school managerial systems could take a leaf out of that book with how they treat all students, because I think um, schools in general can sometimes have a bit of a problem with, um, you know, trying to, I guess, 
enforce the same way of living and learning on every single person from different backgrounds. But, you know, I think that, um, yeah, the way that they treated everybody as individuals uh, with different needs just really added to the culture of the school in a positive way. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying about like every school could take out their foot because schools are like um like it like it's it's quite sad when like like people who have autism and a special needs don't be taken maybe like quite as like um seriously, and that that is quite upsetting because like um like so some people do have autism from unfortunately they're stuck in maybe mainstream schools or something like that and mainstream schools should be quite understanding it's just that lack of understanding again like like with autism and um because uh, i suppose it can link on with uh, talking about a chronic illness although they are different things but um it just goes without speaking about it and and raising that awareness about it which which helps and um yeah it, it just it just helps definitely and like in my, in my experience, just I was actually at a mainstream school when I was younger and I um, I was there for a year and I left because <laughs> I didn't like it. And that, more to the fact that the teachers didn't understand autism or, or just me. OK. Um, and a couple of scenarios I'll, I'll tell you. Um, one was um, that there, there was actually a, a special maybe autism class for English. Uh, okay. Um, and I I went there. Um, didn't really like the teacher. Um, and, and that that was mainly because she couldn't really understand. Um, well, she was an autism based teacher, but she didn't really understand like how it made people feel about the different things that was happening. But a scenario was what one lunch time was. It was about to be lunch, and just before they uh, teacher said that, um, can you wait outside the library for the next lesson? And me and a couple other students wait there about 15 minutes um, for, for 15 minutes. And then and then kind of think, what, what's happening here that no one's come? Um, mm. And then walk back to the class where, where she said, wait, to, where she told, told people to wait at the library and noticed that some of the students were still there in the classroom. And the teacher said, uh, where, where have you been? Uh, you should have been in class. Um, and I said, um, yeah. Um, I, I was waiting at library because she said wait at the library and then she um, she said no she said uh, I said I didn't say that and then uh, then she said uh, you got a detention and then me thinking that why have I got a detention for, for um, you, you telling me to do something and and then the next morning um, that the head of year of the of my year came and saying um, it wasn't very nice actually he was uh, he said um um, why didn't you go to class on time? And then I said, obviously there's been some sort of confusion, but I was I, I was pretty mm. sure that I got told to wait outside the library, so it wasn't very good um, that kind of situation. And um, and yeah, it, it was just the lack of understanding. Um, although that I was pretty adamant that I got told to wait outside the library, but. If there was some sort of confusion, which could have been addressed in a better way, than rather just saying you you've got a detention um, for something that was like it, at the time was I was pretty upset about it because I, I I didn't want to go. I, I don't remember if I did a go or not because it it was a while ago. But uh, eventually, mm. a, another scenario um, was a tie. Like you got to put ties on. It's it's the rule. Um, and um, for me. Um, especially in the drama class, um, um, MP as well. I asked a drama teacher once, can you put time for me? I don't know how to do it because they were pretty hard. I think now they've, um, they, they, it's a bit easier now how to put a time in, in schools. But back then it, it was uh, pretty tough. And I asked the teacher, um, can you help me uh, or, or show me how to do it? And they, and they said, uh, he said, no, I'm not allowed. And then he, I said to him, why are you not allowed? Why are you not allowed to uh, help me put a time? And he said, um, uh, "Just not allowed." I got told not allowed. And then I was, I was and then I, I thought to myself, um, that "You maybe don't know how to do it because it's either that, or <laughs> <laughs> it's either you don't know how to do it yourself, or you just don't want to do it." Because I, I couldn't see any other reason why you couldn't help. But um, that was annoying, and uh, 
I kind of pretended, I, like, I put it on, I tried my best to put it on because no one was helping. And then another another scenario is going to PE and, and they will say, a lot of pressure actually, like to get changed when you're done or like you've got 10 minutes mm-hmm. while you're locked in. And with someone with autism, that can be really, really pressurising. So like them literally thinking that you're going to be locked in in 10 minutes when, um, which which is it's not nice. So like, I think the point of the fact is, is the lack of autism in, in schools and still to today, uh, but even though they might be a bit better, the school I went to, but it's just that lack of understanding and uh, that support. Absolutely. That first scenario in particular sounds like complete bullshit, you know, regardless of whether that teacher that you had um, just kind of told a barefaced lie or whether there was a miscommunication. It's, um, yeah, that's definitely not the way to handle it. No, no, just playing you got detention and and then um it was uh um it was it was annoying and i i remember the day i i said i'm gonna be leaving <laughs> i said i'm gonna i'm gonna be leaving now um and and luckily i did get on with a couple of teachers the maths teacher was really mm. nice really understanding um like it's really calm I, I think the two maths teachers i had um in my time there were really nice and uh, i really got with them and um and uh, I suppose it was harder to make friends. I made probably one one good friend that eventually um, um, I moved on to a special school where I had a better understanding of autism and there were, yeah, a better understanding and could understand a bit more. And um, at the time, um, at, when I was at a special school, my confidence was rubbish. Um, I didn't have any confidence at all. And at the start of my new school I joined, I, I didn't that really as well. So it took time to, to gain that confidence and to even ask for help um, with my autism, which was uh, pretty hard at first because, um, because for example, in a classroom, if everyone knew their work, if they knew what they were doing and I was the only one who didn't, I kind of feel like like um, the odd one out, like because I wouldn't really understand it and everyone else did and, everyone else did, and I would just say, I know what I'm doing when I'm really on the, on the sheet of paper. I'm just guessing answers, <laughs> but um, but now I just laugh about it. But at the time, it was uh, wasn't very nice. But but yeah, I did get on with a uh, like I think two teachers the day I was leaving left as well. So we were kind of I was kind of happy I was leaving, and like we were saying, yeah, we're we're, we're all leaving together. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, I know on the last day they had a year did say, um, are, are you? Yeah, you're gonna miss us. You're gonna you're gonna come to it back, and uh, of course I had to say yeah because if I didn't say yeah, I would have been asked and I'd be asked a hundred questions, but um, I didn't I didn't go back. But I I would have thought that they had a year and that I'm not there today. But but who knows? But um, it was a it was a was the school that you changed to one that also had a a program specifically designed for students with autism? Yeah, um, they had um like 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 um qualified teachers experienced in 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 like autism and, and special needs so um they they understand it like really well um although there was a situation that at, at the school that um I, I had to address um it was mm-hmm. it was more year 10 year 11 um time um where um i had art and i went i got told to have lunch and because at school you have um each class has a, a different time period for when it's their turn uh, to go in for lunch and I got told to go in for lunch and I, I was in lunch and then an MDA staff like a, a staff member on the playground um, said well, well why are you doing here it's not your time, time for lunch and I said yeah it's my time for here's my time for lunch because um, I got told to have lunch and mm-hmm. um, the teacher who told me to have lunch said that eventually a, a couple like uh, eventually said that I did, she didn't ask me and then I was adamant she did and then again going going back to that communication like uh, um it was almost, it was almost not as bad as it was in the special cause that because they were more understanding about the situation um mm. here but um the matter of the fact was um there was a list of medication so um I, I I was saying to the teacher because at the time I was worried about what's going to happen so saying I was kind of saying no. I, I I don't know what's happening here, and then I I end up saying I was kind of confused, so I end up going to the head of year, um my teacher, 
and I said that I was kind of confused here and then I got this teacher in about um I, I got the MDA teacher in because of the looser medication and eventually that um I did really well with the talking about this um uh, conversation um it was like in a meeting room <laughs> um um only with my teacher and the MDA, MDA staff and the um um one of the head teachers of the school um um and we eventually there was um a more autism training put in place for all the teachers so uh, um i think i did good there even though there was also some training in place beforehand but more mm -hmm. was i think more was needed for just addressing what happened no it sounds like you did really well there i think it's great that you um advocated for yourself in that situation i know that it's um it's not easy to do but it sounds like you actually not just helped yourself but made um a lasting change for the future students as well yeah i think it was it was it was it was it was needed because like like that situation i didn't want it to happen to someone else because it was more i think i think it was kind of an if i believe it was an art, art exam but i got told to have a lunch because i suppose going to lunch could be two different things it could have meant that go into the playground, go go for lunch, go 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 for play around with, with your mates, or going for lunch and have your actual lunch because it can mean two different things. But just addressing that that it could mean something something quite like like um it it can mean two different things, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And that's something that maybe uh you know other people wouldn't have been thinking about at that time and. Yeah. It kind of comes back to what we were talking about before is um, there's no substitute for lived experience and giving your own perspective. Yeah, yeah. And another situation was a workplace that I was at um, and no one there understood um, what Crohn's disease and autism was. So I had to explain in a room full of people what it was and like understanding that my autism may mean that I may not ask for help as much. And that they did say, can you maybe try to ask we do need help because that is, that is important. And then at, at that time, I was more confident to ask for help. Mm. And uh, eventually, as things got on, um, I got in my mind. I was thinking um, because I used to worry what other people maybe think about if I got something wrong or something like that. And then as life goes on, uh, I kind of don't really care what people think. Uh, I, I'm more in that mindset yep. now. <laughs> that um, um, if, if they uh, if they find it funny, I'll just laugh about it now rather than maybe take a little bit of offense of it and um and like a lot of my crones they, they, they understand that quite well and because of that because of the place not understanding autism at all and um like like, like, like special needs they uh they put a program in place um which has better understanding for people that were on the spectrum that's great which is a which is kind of good, and then eventually, because it was a work placement, which I just went there just for experience. They they did offer me a a part time like like job on like like so every time I, I think it was maybe I eventually did go twice a week. Um, and that, what and um I, what kind of line of work was that uh, for? It was um it was like a, a meat factory. Um, it was, okay. Um, it's not my, uh, my my best thing I would like to be doing, but it was um, some sort of experience, my work experience at the time, um, which was very interesting to meet new people there. And um, I it, I had to have fob to like it's kind of cool because you had a fob to go like put it on the like when you're going in, so it checks when you're paying, you're getting paid, and then when you're out. Um, and then it was a monthly, so I, I would get paid, but because of the pandemic and being having an underlying condition. I had to of stop course, going. Yeah, got a shield. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had to stop going and um, and a couple of times they I, I remember they did cool. And uh, but it was it was a good experience. I don't know if I would go back because it's not my line of work I would maybe do as a as a day-to-day -day job, but it was mm -hmm. a good experience. If they called back and like um if I didn't have much um things to do, I maybe would. But my uh because during like the start or like the end of last year I got a call because um um when I was younger I um like at primary school I did a uh, football coaching and um I uh, from this football coach which was which was really good and then eventually as I got older I went to his different camps and helped out as a as a coach as a, like a, as just um not getting paid anything just, just out of my own accord because I was I really enjoyed mm -hmm. it 
And um, last year, end of last year, he he asked um, if I would like to come there uh, as a as a natural job, and of course having to get trained and everything because I am actually uh, a, a trained like a, a coach, a football coach, but at, okay. at, at level one. But I have to, I will still have to do these qualifications for this specific uh, job. But the thing what I liked about what you said was because um, like what, what he would like me to do is like maybe coach people that. In different schools, I could go back to my old school as well, and that have autism because not everyone has a per, a coach maybe that has autism teaching other kids mm. that have autism, which I thought was really good. But um, unfortunately, since you called, um, I haven't been able to go because uh, of different things happened with my with my health. And um, yeah, I, I say he understands it, but um, he understands it as best as he can because, of course. You can't properly understand if you if you don't know what if it, if it, if it like happens to you day to day. But he does understand at the limit that um, he he said that just call when I'm ready to go and and we we discussed that he could come round at some time when um when 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 the time's right. But yeah, that 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 was a it, it was nice to just to hear that like when the time's right, I can do different things. Yeah, I think that would be a great job, actually. I yeah, I really hope that um the stars will align and you'll be able to go do that soon. Yeah, I hope next year is a, a better year um to uh for us. Yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, because it's been a um I thought last year saying like uh to twenty twenty last year that twenty twenty was gonna be, but yeah, I say it might have been a little bit a better year, but with different variants going around and, and different things like that, um it's pandemic still here i think be here for a while may just die down maybe a little bit but um yeah fingers crossed 2022 is a good year <laughs> absolutely yeah but um it's been it's been a, like is there anything else you want to say um um jess no you know i think that we've covered a lot of really important issues okay. yeah it's been it's been a really nice chat like like hearing about your your chronic illnesses and and all the work you do. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, thank you for um, continuing to help spread greater awareness of invisible illnesses. It's really important for our community. Yeah, I think it's really important. And I, I, I thank you for all you're doing as well, like, like with your website as well. I think, that's, I think that's really interesting. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jess. <laughs>